Hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. My name's Goose. My name's Gabby. And you are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people looking to create a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And the year is 2020. It is 2020. It is 2020. How did that happen? Uh, it's the chronology of time. The, oh. uh, yeah, the, the incessant march of time carries us forward. And we are here, the year of vision 2020. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So I hope you've had a, uh, a fantastic Christmas break, New Year's break. We had a really awesome time digging in, focusing on our business, helping more people to invest. And we are rejuvenated, revitalized, and we are excited to be back sharing our weekly podcast with you. What about yourself, Gabby? I'm pumped. 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 Now, our producer has actually told me that I need to slow down because I, I get too excited. <laughs> And I start to talk like this because I get really pumped about everything that we're... We're probably already speaking too fast. Probably already speaking too fast. How are you going over there, guys? Hope you're well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This is Gabby Pace over here. Okay. All right, cool. So we're going to find a happy medium between myself and Gabby. <laughs> and we're going to... Showdown. Halfway between the dash and the dot. All right. What I want to talk about today, what, what Gabby wants to talk about is what we want, what we want to talk about What today. we're going to talk about. What we are talking about today is first homeowner's grants and starting your portfolio. For a lot of people starting out in their property portfolio journey, it's very hard to understand what the best step is. You know, there's so much information out there. You've got guys like us saying, never buy new, only buy positive cash flow, all of that kind of stuff. But then you've got the government saying, we're going to give you all of this money. And then it actually puts people in a really difficult position. I mean, I know personally quite a lot of my friends and family, they're stuck. They're immobilized by fear, by indecision. And it's very hard to understand which way to go forward. It's really hard to cut through the noise and and really understand how to get started. And the most important thing, I think, is for people to get started. So that's why we want to talk about this today. Mm, It's also a difficult thing for like a young person living their life to actually spend some time to research and find out <laughs> what do I actually need to do? What is the best decision? Like there's professionals that don't even know this level of direction. How is a normal person meant to digest everything and, you know, make the exact right decision that they need to make on their own? Exactly. And th- part of the problem is, is that there's no one answer, which is great because that means there's many right answers but it also makes it very hard to work out which one's going to be right for you. This is where I think a lot of people go wrong and it's through no fault of their own or no fault of, of anyone's really, but there's so much media push towards things like first homeowner's grants. You naturally think, oh, well, well, I guess that's where I start, right? That says first and I haven't bought one before, so... It says the word home in it. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. So that seems to make sense. But the thing is that a lot of people don't necessarily ask themselves is, is this going to be the right next step for me? What are my options? What are the alternatives? Should I invest? Should I use the first homeowner's grant? What even is the first homeowner's grant? All of that kind of stuff. So today we want to unpack some of that kind of stuff. It's amazing to have so many opportunities really for young people to take any moves like if you're in a position where you can think about this it's awesome it's fantastic but it is about you know understanding if you're looking for your home that's one particular strategy and you might think about first homeowners grants a bit differently whereas if you're looking to build a portfolio that's a different strategy again my position on that not to be too 
divisive. My position on that is that it should actually be one and the same. Let me explain that because that sounds counterintuitive because I understand where you're coming from. You know, like go buy your first home versus go buy an investment property. They seem like two polarized points. But my position would be given that it is your first home and it's not going to be your last home, should it not be part of your investment strategy? What do you think? <laughs> I do agree with you. I get I get what you're saying. And, you know, obviously the people we speak with, it's there's certain criteria and we want to help people as much as possible set up. So they've got the option. So they're not like just buying a house or a home that they're in love with. And then maybe in 10 years when they want to move somewhere else, they're actually finding that that wasn't the best investment choice. Exactly. I get that principle. But you, there are still people out there that just do want their home. They might not want to build a portfolio. They just want a home. May not be the people that are listening to us. I think you're 100% right. Not everyone wants to go and build a property portfolio. And that's totally fine. Let's explain what these options are first, yeah. right? And then we'll talk about the pros and the cons and how it all works. So there's really kind of two options if you want to get into the property game. You either want to invest without using your first homeowner's grant or try and work out how to incorporate the first homeowner's grant as part of your overall investment strategy. The big thing that I see that will really divide two camps for first-time buyers is budget. I really see that as being the big split, okay? And so let me explain. So if you're struggling to get a deposit together for a $400,000 to $600,000 house, for example, you're probably going to be better off, probably, this is not financial advice, but you're probably going to be better off buying a cash flow positive property in a high growth area with value add potential purely as an investment that's going to accelerate you quicker if you're struggling to save fast enough. However... If you have enough of a deposit or you can save enough of a deposit or you can get enough of a deposit, plus you have a solid enough income, it makes sense to try and leverage the benefits of the first homeowner's grant initiative. When people are starting out, sometimes it can be really tough. You know, sometimes it can take people five, 10 years to try and save up a deposit for a $600,000 house, which can be really disheartening. Whereas if they were to start by say buying a $200,000 house, they'd probably be able to accelerate much faster than if they were just saving. So it makes sense to kind of think about it a little bit laterally. I think that's where we get a lot of confusion and overwhelm in particularly with younger people looking to to purchase their first property is they've got this kind of $600,000 price point in their head and then they get, they get, they're getting overwhelmed because they're working really hard trying to save every dollar that they can. They might be doing really well, but when their end goal is I'm going to buy a 600, minimum $600,000 property as my first property, you know, it can be quite disheartening, as you said, when you might, you might have saved 30K and that's amazing. But to you, that's like not even half of what you need or possibly even less. Yeah, that's where I think a lot of the overwhelm comes is not really understanding that you, there are still options that are lower than that price point. And again, it's about, it's about doing research and understanding like, okay, well, these are all of my options. Which way is going to suit me? 100%. So we've kind of got two camps, right? We've got, okay, can save, can get to that sort of 400K. We'll talk about why 400K in a minute, but that 400K to 600K kind of price point roughly. And then you've got the people who that might just be a little bit out of reach, but they still want to accelerate their wealth position. So... What does the first homeowner's grant even do? Let's say you are in the camp where you can get enough of a deposit, you can save up enough, it's all good, and you've got the income. What does the first homeowner's grant initiative even do? Do you want to explain that a bit, Gabby? 
it varies by state. It's a saving on the purchase price of new properties that you're looking to invest in. So the government has a grant initiative called the First Homeowners Grant, right? So what they will do is they will contribute on new builds in, in it varies by state, as Gabby said, they will contribute a grant amount between ten dollars and $20,000. So for example, in New South Wales, it's $10,000 grant for, uh, I think it's for everywhere. I think it's metro and regional, yep. pretty sure. Look, we're not the experts on this. We're just trying to give some insight. And in Victoria, it's $20,000 for regional new builds and $10,000 for metropolitan new builds. And in Queensland, it's around about $15,000. So it varies by state. But let's, let's stick with New South Wales and Vic because that's where most people are, not to be biased against those states. But, you know, here we are. So on top of the grant that the government will give you as a first-time owner if you're eligible for the grant and you meet all the criteria and you are, you know, you're successful in applying for the scheme, you will also save stamp duties, which is actually a significantly larger benefit than the grant. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people first homeowners grant. If you understand it, it, it sounds quite sexy. It sounds like something like, "What an opportunity!" Yep, I'm going to do that. I'm going to save, and then that's my piece. Conceptually, it's easy to understand how that'll help you. You know, you just essentially it's knock ten or twenty grand off the purchase price. But the stamp duty concessions and rebates are actually a completely other realm that people aren't really thinking about as commonly as you know just the the grants themselves. But again, a very, a very state by state varies on the purchase price, but it, it definitely is. It's a huge chunk again of cash that you may not have to save for if you're eligible. Exactly. So let's talk about what that looks like. So let's just say you're a good friend of ours is a young guy. He's like 24. He's currently living at home with his parents. He wants to use the first homeowners grant, right? And what he's shooting for is he's shooting for a new build in Victoria, in the metropolitan area. So what he's going to be eligible for, let's say it's a $600,000 price point, is not only a $10,000 grant from the government, but he's also going to be eligible for savings of stamp duty of around $33,000. So when you whack those two things together, that's that's basically $40,000 in your pocket. All right? Now, obviously, as the price goes down, so does stamp duty, all of that kind of stuff. But as you can see, there is a lot of money to be saved. There's a lot of money on the table there, which, was, which is what makes it so appealing to young people trying to get into the market for the first time. Because if you've worked really hard and saved really, really, really well, and you've put $30,000 in the bank, then the government's saying that, well, we'll give you an extra $40,000 in stamp duty savings and rebates, you know, it's pretty appealing. Now, obviously, you're going to need more than $30,000 to buy a $600,000 house, but you understand my point, right? This is why a lot of people... I think get stuck in a savings trap because it's very easy to look at the low hanging fruit and think, oh, well, as long as I do this thing and this thing and this thing, the government's going to give me free money. But the question is, is that the right strategy? You know, just in the same way that a lot of people think, oh, well, I don't really need to save for retirement because if I just wait, the government's going to give me a pension. There's both truth and fallacy in that thinking. If you think about the reasons why those grants exist as well, you know, like we, we typically purchase established properties for a reason because they're essentially the opposite strategy to this one. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I mean, like the stamp duty concessions 
and the grants, they don't apply to established properties. In most cases, I think in some cases, there are some allowances, I think for the stamp duty rebates, but not the grants. I think you still get stamp duty concessions in Victoria on an established property, but you only get the grant and the stamp duty if it's a new build. So part of this incentive, it's a twofold incentive. Uh, everyone thinks, oh, first time owners grant, it's all for them. But the reality is it's not. It's an economic stimulus package. The reason that this has been put together is because if you haven't noticed lately, there's a bit of economic turmoil around the world. Everyone's talking about things like recessions and stuff like that. Programs like this not only help people get into the market, but they also help builders to maintain their businesses. Now, the construction industry is one of the largest industries in the country. The housing market is actually one of the greatest fuel sources for our national economy. So what this does is this stimulates that, that, that arena whilst creating greater affordability for young people trying to get into the market. But the reality is it's only for new builds. That's not the be all and end all, but if you want to get the full whack, that's where it is. But here's the clincher. This is why I have a divided opinion on it. The key is in the name, right? And we touched on this earlier. It's the first home owner's grant. This is likely not going to be your last property purchase. So you need to think very carefully before you buy because you may be eligible to get the first homeowner's grant and the stamp duty concessions. But if you're in Victoria, if you're in Melbourne, you might need to move out to Craigieburn, out of northern or out of western or out of eastern suburbs. And that might not be really ideal for your lifestyle, for your living situation, for where you want to be for the rest of your life. But it's a stepping stone. The thing that I think people need to ask themselves is, will this serve my long-term investment goals? And that's the big question because you've got to think two or three steps ahead. It might be well, all well and good to get a rebate now, but what's that going to mean later on? Is that property going to grow in value? Is there an oversupply in the area because it's a land estate? You know, is it going to be cash flow positive when I move out or have I bought a liability? What is the next step after this? Am I going to live here for six months 12 months, 10 years, what's the plan? Because a lot of people don't think in that strategic kind of way and they just think, oh, well, like I, can, I can go get like 40 grand from the government if I buy a $600,000 new build. Yeah, sweet. Someone's paying me $40,000 to go and, you know, live in Packenham Upper and that's cool. But is that going to serve your long-term goals? I think where a lot of people get stuck, like you like to think about first, second and third order of consequences quite a lot. So I think... <laughs> he's giving me the thumbs up I think a lot of people get in this position because they think about what is going to help them right now they think about you know the hard work and their struggle and their past that's got them to this point to have this deposit and you think like I'm finally like this is it I deserve to have this rebate that's there like it's there for the taking it's there for a reason you know, you don't really think about in 10 years time or in 15 years time or in two years time, I might hate living in the outer suburbs, like you were saying. You've taken that decision now that's going to help you now because you want some relief now without really thinking about all the possibilities because we have no idea what's, what's going to happen. We have no idea what a different perspective is going to change in the way that we think and the lifestyle that we want. We might, you know, we might lose that job or we might hate that job and want a different job or we might want to live near the beach or we might want to start a family and we want to move somewhere else and we don't quite like this area that we could afford to get into at this point. So again, I think it's in isolation purchasing something purely for the for the grant that might be a little bit of a compromise on your lifestyle. 
is great for that point in time, but if you're only viewing it in isolation and not thinking about how it can be an asset for you moving forward when, you know, variables come up, life changes, things happen, you might be a completely different person in two years' time, but you're still stuck with this asset that, you know, particularly the higher price points, it's tough for young people to reach that level of income. I guess what I'm saying is just thinking about how this piece is piece one in in your journey it's not the end piece and you don't know what the end the whole next journey is going to be but it's about being mature and accepting that you've got no idea what's coming (laughs) you can you can plan and you can dream and you can set goals for all you want but realistically you don't know the kind of person you're going to be in five years and you're probably not going to want you know an asset that you think is an asset but it's actually a liability i think that's where a lot of people do go wrong is they they don't think about the first second and third orders of consequence and so some people don't understand what that thinking paradigm means so we'll just touch on it real quick i think we should do a an episode on it but the first second and third orders of consequence in this scenario in the first order of consequence you get an easy cash handout from the government sounds great but the second order of consequence may be that you end up with liability in your portfolio or you may end up having a less happy, less fulfilled life because you might live in an area where you don't want to live, where you've got to commute for long periods of time where it could put a real dent on you. The third order of consequence means that that might limit your opportunities in life later on. Maybe you don't have as much money because you've got to keep feeding this negatively geared asset. There's a lot of consequences that can come from it. Now, Just to explain first, second, and third orders of consequence is typically what you get at the start is not what you get at the end. So for example, the first order of consequence of going to the gym is that it sucks, is that it's hard and it hurts and you sweat and it's gross and you got to get up early and oh, it's painful. The second order of consequence though is that you get fit and healthy and happy and energized. The third order of consequence means that because you're more happy, energized, you know, enthusiastic, you look better, you maybe meet a great partner and you have, you know, you have a better and, and happier existence and you save yourself from heartache and illness down the line. And this is the paradigm of thinking that people need to apply to any of their decisions. What happens on the front end does not usually happen on the back end, which is why I think people need to take a much more long-term view on any investment choice, even in the case of the first homeowners grant. Definitely. Now that we've got that out of the way, I think people can understand, okay, they've got to really put a lot of thought into this to understand, is this going to be the right thing for me? If it's going to take you two, three, four years to try and save up, to try and get into a house like this, it's probably not. But for the people who do want to do that, which is awesome, and again, just make sure you're meeting the basic investment guidelines to save yourself down the line. Make sure you do a deep analysis of it to make sure that it is going to be cash flow positive when you move out. And that might be in six or 12 months. So think about it closely because you might not like living there. Well, maybe you love living there, but still you might want to move out in six to 12 months. Make sure it makes sense. What is the next step after this and does it meet your long-term investing goals? Who is actually even eligible for this is a really good point because not everyone can get this. So the basic requirements to be able to get a first-time owner's grant is you've got to be an Australian, uh, Australian resident or an Australian citizen. You must be 18 years old and you or your partner must have not previously purchased a property. Okay, so if you're in a relationship and your partner has bought a house or whatever, you're going to be intrinsically tied together and you're going to be viewed as, viewed as a couple and you're going to be viewed as already owning property together. 
So that's an important consideration. And either one in the relationship must not have claimed the grant previously. It's pretty simple, okay? And you also can't claim two grants on one property. You can't be two people that go to one property and go, well, I haven't had it and Gabby hasn't had it and therefore can we have doubled the grants and doubled the rebates? It doesn't work. (laughs) It'd be nice. That'd be awesome, but it doesn't work. That would be nice. And you must occupy the residence for 12 months. I think that varies by state. And I think it varies for the, the stamp duty. Yeah, I think it might be six, six months for the stamp duty and 12 months for the grant. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Again, look, <laughs> look it up per state. Look it up for the local area that you're in. The most important thing we want to convey here is the way to think about this and the way to kind of approach it as part of your investing strategy. Now, the other consideration here, as we touched on earlier, is you know the grant is nice, but the stamp duty rebate is probably better. The, or the stamp duty, con- Yeah, it's the clincher. That's the piece, right? The, the stamp duty concessions. Now, stamp duty concessions will apply on established properties in Victoria. So what that means is you can actually still get the benefit of that whilst choosing something specifically to meet your investing goals without being tied to buying a new building, a new apartment or a new house and house and land package. That means you can actually buy something that you might want to renovate or subdivide. So it's about being creative in the way you think. It's about being creative in the way you're applying yourself into this journey. And if you have any questions about this, we are more than happy to help. You can reach out to us at hello, H-E-L-L-O, at dashdot.com.au. Hello at dashdot.com.au. Hit us up. Happy to answer any questions you might have. Gabby, have you got anything else you want to add to this? If you're viewing anything in isolation, it can be really overwhelming and you're likely to make the wrong decision. We're, we use the word passionate too often, but we really are passionate about helping people through these questions. Because if you think about, like you can, you can speak with a mortgage broker, they're going to help you and they're going to point you in a direction. You can speak with an accountant and they're going to help you and they might point you in a slightly different direction. You can speak with buyer's agents and they can direct you in another direction or they might all be in the same direction. But my point is, is there's no like one go-to source for this kind of information like you do have to do the work yourself and think about it how it applies to you and not just look at you know what the criteria is and what what the rebate amounts are and how long do I have to live there and all those kind of things if you're finding the team and you find the right people that you know speak this kind of language live it breathe it every day might not necessarily be experts in any one thing in particular, but, you know, like dedicated to finding answers to help you in this next step. Because it is super overwhelming, super overwhelming. Like there's a lot of people I know that are my age that are are still not even thinking about property because of things like this that seem really overwhelming and, and confusing and because they feel like there's not really someone that they can speak with. This is why I feel like the first homeowners grant and you know the assistance schemes are such a big piece in young people's heads because their parents are going, oh, there's this opportunity and the government's going to pay you if you save this amount and then you purchase a new thing and then you know it ticks all the boxes, so you know that's what you should do. And so a lot of young people have this in their head of like that's what I need to do, and not even really thinking about like oh that's just what my parents told me to do they think it's just what's done but really they've been given this opinion from their parents because there's no real 
other place to turn. There's no one else that people feel like they can speak with. So I guess this is me <laughs> long-winded but me trying to say like we're here to be that person for you. Like we're constantly online, we're constantly researching this stuff, we're constantly speaking with people young and old about, you know, investing and strategizing and building portfolios or, you know, how to buy one property and make sure that that's the one for you. Like there's so many different angles that you can think about with this, but we want to make it a really accessible conversation for people now and not something that you feel like you have to be confused about on your own we're here to help exactly so basically the sooner they meet us the faster they're going to be happy is that what you're saying i think that's what I'm <laughs> fantastic <laughs> it was great and just for reference you're how old are you how old am i 26 nice yeah i remembered so with that I think we've covered quite a lot of ground. Yeah. I think we've helped to open up a little bit around what actually is involved in the first time owners grant, but also how to think about it as part of your investment strategy. If you want to reach out and if you do want to communicate with us, as I mentioned, hello at dashdot.com.au, shoot us an email or jump on our website, www.dashdot.com.au. Jump on there, get in touch. We are happy to help. We're happy to give guidance and advice and see you in the right direction. Anyone who's thinking about property, whether it be you or a friend, can reach out to us get some free guidance, free advice. Our passion and our motivation here is genuinely to help people advance in life. So please do reach out because we are here for you. Now, with that being said, I wanted to wrap up with a very apt quote, a quote from an author named Stephen R. Covey, who is the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the greatest books on creating your own habits to create a life of success and abundance. And he said, To begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. It means to know where you're going so that you better understand where you are now and so that the steps you take are always in the right direction. Hmm, Awesome. And so with that, guys, we'll leave you with it and we look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you. See you next week.